know, I preached on, this has been many, many, many months ago, about how the human mind operates and how it takes 15 seconds of something being repeated over and over positive for us to believe it to be true, but takes a negative thought just once for, it, for us to create that as a new reality. And what the enemy does is he knows that and he takes the situations that we're in and the trials that we face and he reminds you and whispers in your ear, it's too big for you. You can't take it. You can't handle it. And you know what? He's absolutely right. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have Jesus that we can call on and say, when I don't have the answer, you do. When I don't have the strength, you are my strength. When I don't have the wisdom, you are my words and my, my, my actions. You are everything that we need. So don't allow the enemy to creep in and tell you you can't. Because you are an overcomer. By what? The words of your testimony. And I want to share with that as we continue this series Guarding the gates, and I want us to pray over this message. Matthew chapter 5, we're, we're going to go there. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're moving into the last sermon of this series. I'll, I'll do my best to uh, get through this. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been challenging, but it's been, been worth it. I haven't shared publicly my thoughts on this matter, and I'm kind of nervous sharing it publicly, but... The Lord has really um, put this topic on my heart. I'm actually writing a book right now over these, these notes and all the messages that, uh, that I've preached. And I really think this is something that um, the world needs, not because I've said it or because who, whatever. It's because we're, we're in a culture right now where the, where the, where, where, where the enemy is attacking and he's attacking the central, the, the, the heart, and he's attacking the mind. And he's attacking people. And, and we need to understand and realize it is just that, an attack. And that the Bible has, and that the Bible says that the Lord has put in us the ability to speak against it and say, get away from me. That I don't have to believe those thoughts. I don't have to believe those words. I don't have to, I, I can have, I can be free. And so I pray that you'd continue to pray with me about that. We've been talking in the last seven weeks about the heart, uh, the mind. The last two weeks have been on our words. And today I want to turn our ear to the last part in that if our heart is aligned with God and our mind is aligned with God and our words and today our actions will come with it. Would you pray with me today? Lord God, I pray for this message. And I pray that you'd speak to me today. God, I pray that this word, Lord, be transformational. Not because of who spoke it, but, of, but because of who's speaking through me. Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to move in such a way that the words of my mouth would be acceptable. God, that the words of my mouth would go forth and, and, and would cling to somebody's heart today. Lord God, that the words of my mouth be used by you, God. Lord, I don't want people to see me. I want them to see you. So God, I pray right now, Lord, be my mouth as I speak. Father, sometimes I, I tend to 
um, be like Moses in the sense that I question sometimes why you've chosen me. But Lord, in these moments, I know you've chosen me. So God, be my mouth today as I speak, as you promised him. God, I pray that you open up our minds to know, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the truth of your word today. Amen and amen. So there's two things that we value that seem so insignificant but are part of our everyday life. It's, it's how we survive. We either complain because of too much of these things or we want or we need more of them. One is hardly seen, yet with too little of it, you, you can taste the difference and too much of it can ruin your food. The other, you can see and is needed during the night or when it's dark, yet too much of it in the morning will say turn it off, yet too little of it in the evening we feel unsafe. And I think the world is in the shape it's in today because we're lacking light in the dark. We're lacking a light in the dark. And so these two things that Matthew chapter 5 talk about is salt and light. And in our actions, I want to talk today on what the Bible has asked us to do and who the Bible has asked us to be. One works as it comes into contact with food and the other works as you turn it on. Matthew chapter 5, would you go starting in verse number 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify Him in heaven, right? Salt and light. The text is very important. And not just for the word salt and light, but the first two words of this passage. If you could put that up uh, one more time. Matthew chapter 5, the first two words. It's the Lord giving us a command. These words are in red, which means Jesus said it. And he said, don't wait for somebody else. He said, don't wait for your time to come. He said, but rather you are. You are. Well, who do you want to use, God? Is it me? Is it him? Is it her? They're up on stage. I'm over here in the crowd. I'm working a computer. They're playing the drums. Who do you want? You. It doesn't matter the job we have. It doesn't matter what we do for the Lord as as long as we do it with all of our heart and for the glory of God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth, not anyone else. There are things that you have been given, abilities, gifts, and talents that nobody else in this room has. So if you don't use them, it's as if that little thing can't be spoken forward. You have gifts that have to be used. No waiting on anybody else. I mean, listen, you are an influence whether you want to believe it or not. When you woke up this morning, you were an influence. How so? Your attitude when you woke up is going to influence the rest of your day. I saw a quote many, many years ago, and it said that the first minute of your morning can tell whether or not the rest of your day will be good or not. Did you wake up in a bad mood? Did your words say good mood or bad mood? Chances are the rest of your day will be that way as well. The words we say to ourselves and to each other typically dictate the rest of our day. Actions are everything. 
Your conversation with friends can shape the rest of their day. Would people know that you're Christian based on the things that you've said? Are you more worried about your perception than your character? Are you more worried about what people are going to think of you if they have to, if, if you have to say no? Did you stand up for what you know is right or did you give in so that people would like you? Did you take part in conversation that talked bad about somebody else? If you did, you've allowed bad character to influence you. You see, you should be the influence. It's not the one who is influenced. The Bible says you are salt and light. So what's our calling? Our calling to be salt is that we should be a witness. That our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means for the sole purpose that we are here is to share the good news of Jesus. But the Bible says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And trying to understand what Jesus means by saying we're to be salt, let's first ask the question, what does salt do? What is salt good for? The, the, the word of God teaches us the elements necessary in the Christian life. But what I'm about to talk about is our calling as a Christian. A Christian that is merciful and meek. A peacemaker. Pure in heart. If you are those things, you'll have a tremendous influence in the lives of those that, you, that, that, that haven't given their heart to Christ. In ancient times, listen, salt was a necessity of life. Because of its seasoning and the fact that it could preserve, it was one of the most highly prized minerals. In many societies, it was so highly valued, it was used for money. As a matter of fact, the Latin word salarium is referred to the payments made to a Roman soldier in salt. Herod's temple had a chamber full of salt for the ceremonies that they would have. Whenever a city was conquered, the custom was to throw salt throughout the entire place because it meant that the city was separated from its past. You have Elisha who used salt to purify water. The normal thing when a child was born, for the child to be rubbed with salt, salt had great power. In the ancient world and in Jesus' day, salt was primarily used to preserve things. You realize when they went out and caught fish and they hunted, they didn't have a fridge. They, they didn't have ice that they could just go get and pour on the fish. What, 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 what did they use? They used salt to keep it fresh. Another use of salt is that salt adds flavor to food. How many like salt? I like to salt my salt. I love salt. Okay? Without just a little bit of salt on my food, it kind of tastes bland. So just a little salt, maybe a, a lot of salt is needed to make the food tasty. If salt has no taste, it's no good for what it touches. Listen to me. The salt has to make contact with the food. If we as Christians make no effort to affect the world around us, we have no value to God. If we are too much like the world and we blend in with society, what good is salt if it just blends in with food? No, salt is intended to give an extra kick to enhance the taste. We're like to be like that salt in a sense that society needs us to stand out and enhance or make better everybody around us. Salt was used 
for the offerings and sacrifices to make them tasty, the aroma to, to a God. All who would present themselves, the Bible says, a living sacrifice. What? Holy and acceptable to God. Romans chapter 12. We must receive the salt, the righteousness of our Savior. In order for our lives to be that living sacrifice that he's called us to be. Um, Colossians chapter 4, watch. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with what? So that you may know how to answer everyone. Remember, salt is the righteousness of Christ. So let's read that again. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with the righteousness of Christ, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What's that mean? That means everything you say should be prayed over. That means everything you say should include the righteousness of Christ. Amen. If we give in to peer pressure, if we do something we know we shouldn't, but we do it anyway because of the fear of self-image, then we've lost our salt and we've become stale. And if, if you've ever eaten any type of food that has become stale, it isn't very good. That's why to a lot of the world they see Christians as hypocrites because they see them one way in church and they see them another way in the world and they see the salt inside the building but they have become stale outside of it and it doesn't taste very good so they begin to say things, well why, do, why, why would I want to be like that? Why would I want to do something like that? No, we are called to be different. And to enhance the world around us, you see, salt was gathered in, um, a pal in, 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 in um, Palestine from along the seashore. Salt makes you want water. Too much salt makes you need a drink. The more salt I eat, the more water that I need. And if we're truly being the salt that the Bible talks about, then it should drive people to need water. Did you hear me? If people are not being pushed to Christ by what we do or what we say, then we are not being who God has called us to be. Salt is a symbol of covenant relationships. The Bible says it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. It represented a relationship. There's another use of salt that we, need to, we might mention today is that salt has healing properties. When we feel like we're getting a sore throat, what will we do? We will gargle water with salt. It soothes a sore throat. You see, Elisha, again, used salt to make the water clean. The normal procedure for when a baby was born, to rub salt on, on, on it because salt added value to anything that it touched. Salt protects icy roads. We needed that a month ago. That's what salt does. So do you see what Jesus is trying to say is our calling as Christians, as our witness? We are to affect the society in which we live in such a way that we help prevent people from going to hell. And we should be those who bring taste, more joy, more hope, more good, clean fun. Because we bring Jesus with us, the righteousness of Christ. We are to bring value. We influence others through the, what we say and what we do. We are the salt of the earth. Amen. What did Jesus mean by that statement? It, here, here's what it is. It's a silent witness of the Christian believer. 
It is the influence that you have over other people's lives to both season and preserve for them eternal life. Christ is saying to let your influence season people's life for the kingdom. Why? Salt changes things. Salt changes things. It only takes one salty Christian to enhance an entire community, a neighborhood, a workplace, a church. One person who is willing to say, God, all of me, you have it all. Lord, let me be what you've called me to be. Jesus said, you are the salt. Notice what he didn't say, that you are the earth. He didn't say you might be. He said he didn't say you ought to be. He said he did not say one day you're going to be. He said right now you are the salt. The problem is for a lot of people today it's this issue of of my will. You see we have a choice to be that salt. We have a choice to live our life for Christ. We have a choice to do what's right. We have a choice to do what, we, we, what we've been called to do. We have a choice to do all those things. And church, can I be honest? We better choose wisely. Because there is coming a day soon and very soon when the Lord will descend from the heavens and the sound of the trumpet will take place and all of those who have been salty, all those who know Christ will be called up to him in the air and for all of those Christians who spoke out of their mouth but did something different, you better be careful because you might remain here. Salt witnessing is about showing love to a world that is so divided. Showing the friendship of Jesus. You see, when love fills the heart, it flows out of others. This love is as broad as the universe and is in harmony with that of the angels. Cherished in the heart, it sweetens the entire life and sheds its blessing upon us. It is in this and this only that we that can make us the salt of the earth. Do you remember Lot's wife? What happened to her? She looked back to her past, what she left, and she became a pillar of salt. You see, the Bible didn't call us to be pillars of salt but he's called us to be the salt of the earth. There's a difference. You see, salt has no value if it doesn't leave the shaker. It's just that, salt in a pillar. But rather, he said to use it. To pour it out everywhere you go. Everything that you touch. Everything that you say. Why? So that people can see me? No, so that people can see Christ. That's why we pour out our salt. But what's the Bible say? But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Jesus is giving us a warning. He's saying that we can lose our influence if we don't live a lifestyle pleasing to him. If we've allowed disobedience or compromise to come into our life, if we become slack in our walk with him, it's as if we are like contaminated salt or salt that's lost its saltiness. 
In other terms, if you live in compromise with the values of the world, then you have become a people that have lost their love for Christ. And we live today in a culture that has lost its values for the word of God. So what is he doing? He's calling the church to enhance it again, to bring the salt back to the earth, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to not compromise to what the world says, but rather to do what the Bible says. Come on, somebody. Jesus told us to be the salt of the world, but he didn't stop. He said, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives a light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify. Look, this is what's so cool about this passage. Because not only are you the salt, the witness, the influence, but now because of the influence that you have, now we are the testimony. We have a testimony that we can share. You are the light. What does light do? Light allows us to see in dark places. Light guides us down a path when everything around us isn't lit up. If we live for Christ, he will light up everything, showing others what Christ is like through your example. Light is described as a, as a version of, 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 of energy in, 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 it's, in that it's always moving. And when light in energy ceases to move because it has been absorbed by matter, it's no longer light. In Scripture, light has been a symbol of the divine presence of God. Jesus said what? In, um, in um, uh, John chapter 8, Jesus spoke to them again saying what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalm chapter 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Come on. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is the opportunity to shine the light so people won't be scared. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin first John chapter 1 so we are called to be the testimony to our friends we know Jesus is the true light we know that we're supposed to show the light the question is what does it mean there there was a man it says in John chapter 1 sent from God whose name was John this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Do you realize that's who we're supposed to be? We are not the light. The church should not be looking to us. People should not be looking to us. But we should reflect the light of Christ so that when people see me, they see him. Amen? The Bible says that in him was life and the life was the light of men. It's very evident today that we just reflect Jesus' light. What does light do? Real just, just quick. Light exposes darkness. The Bible says, for you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
and find out what pleases him have nothing to do. Listen to what the Bible says. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But what? Expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Listen. I want to break that down for just a minute. You were once darkness. I was once darkness. I, 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 I can go back to a time in my, in my life where um, I had to learn the hard way because I was hard-headed. And... There were times that I thought hiding the truth would keep me from any type of trouble. But the word says that, and it concludes in this passage, that all darkness is exposed by light. And sooner or later, somebody, mainly my mom, was going to find out what I did. Right? Because, listen, mamas always know. I don't know what it is. God gave them something different. They always know about stuff. You can't hide anything from a mom, okay? So listen, why did Jesus say this? Because he's telling us that I know what you're doing. You can't hide it from me. I know everything about you. I know what you've done in public. I know what you've done in secret. And I'm telling you right now that sooner or later, it's going to come out. So if you don't want that to happen, this is what my mom always told me. If you don't want that to happen, it's better to confess now and just get it over with. I'm telling you because what's the Bible say? Whatever is illuminated becomes a light. If we allow the light of God to shine on the dark areas of our life that, that we haven't surrendered to him, then those areas can become the very light that the world needs to see. Do you realize the trials and circumstances that you go through, the things that are so painful to you that we can't seem to overcome can very well be if you allow it the light for somebody else to see the truth. Your testimony can help somebody else if, if you let it. We live in a dark world. One that needs light. Have you ever woke up in the morning and your eyes have to adjust to the light? You're like, turn the light off. Am I the only one? It's the same way in your Christian walk. When the light is illuminated, whoo, that's bright. Turn that down just a bit. But what, we, what do we have to do? Our eyes have to adjust to a new lifestyle. Our eyes have to adjust to a new way of, um, of, 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 of um, doing things. We have to adjust to the life that Christ wants us to live. But what else happens when we lose power in, 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 in our home and things become dark? We need the light because we can't see where we're going. In the same way, there's so many people today that are confused and lost, don't know which way is right and which way is left and I'm telling you the thing that they need is not this and it's not that but it's Jesus Christ amen what else does light do it serves as a guide airport airport runways help planes see the runway by lights you can um, find your way in the woods by looking up at the sky and looking at the stars we when when when, when we try to drive in the dark with no lights on it can be dangerous we, in the same way, are guides to people who are in darkness. How are you leading people? Because one day you won't just be judged for what we do and what we say, but we'll also be held accountable for how we lead others, for how we've led our spouse, 
for how we've led our children, for how we've led our church, for how we've led our friends, you'll be held accountable to that one day. What else does light do? Light causes us to know him more. John chapter 9. So so as long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He says, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. When you truly have the light of Christ in you, you want to read the Bible. You want to pray. You want to worship him. And if you're at a point in your life where you love God, but that prayer and worship aren't a priority for you, then maybe you aren't where you want to be in your relationship with him. So what do we do? We dispel darkness. We get back to the root of the matter, the heart, and we find out what in there is causing us to not want to have a prayer life, to not want to read my word, to not want to worship. What's the Bible say? The Bible says this, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord, listen, will arise over you, and his glory will be, will be seen upon you, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You see, the whole issue with the light is to be able to work in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light. So shine, shine, shine. What happened? In, when the five churches in Revelation chapter 2 when they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Watch what it says. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words to him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Watch what happens. In verse 5, consider how far you have gone. Repent. Do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, what happens? I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. It's a warning to his church that if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you might lose it. People need to hear the message of Jesus. You see, it's critical for us to understand the differences between salt and light. If you'd come, Seth. Salt works and expands itself silently. You may never see it operating, but you can taste it. Things are taste good when you have salt. It doesn't push itself on food. It's simply there when it wants to be. It will work. It's there to be used whenever it's needed. God's saying, just give me one person who has some salt and I can change an entire world. On the other hand, light has a different type of effect. It is visible or it's of no value and it's needed the most in darkness. The only time we need light is when we want to eliminate some type of darkness. And can I say, look around you. We have plenty of it. I know I harp on this so many times and I'm sorry you got to hear it again. But taking this out of schools, taking prayer out out of schools, taking Ten Commandments off of you know, courthouses, the, the world is dark. Allowing things in that should never be allowed. Killing babies, the world is dark. Walk outside, it's dark. So what's the Bible say is a solution to a, to a dark world? It's His church being the light. I want to leave you with this story. 
and we'll pray and close. It's about a lighthouse. Many years ago, there was a little um, a village on a rocky seacoast where storms often battered and seas were ever treacherous. Many ships were driven into the rocks by the storms and lives of many sailors were lost because of the raging seas. One day, the people decided among themselves that they should establish a lighthouse and life-saving station on a little peninsula on the coast to warn ships away from the rocks and to save the lives of those who were cast into the icy waters. They approached the government, built the tower, set a beacon in it. They organized the lookout system and they bought boats and learned how to man them. And soon they were in business, the business of saving lives. Soon the effects of what they were doing became known far and wide. Fewer ships went on the rocks and when such tragedy did occur, the alarm was sounded. The people risked their own lives to rescue those who had been cast into a raging sea. Within a short few years, people came from great distance to watch the lighthouse and to use it as a model. One day, someone suggested that since they all spent so much time at the lighthouse, that they should gather there occasionally, enjoy some good food, some good times, some good fun. And soon they began to get it together. In fact, many people began to build their homes near the lighthouse. Then the lookout sounded the alarm. They were already there to go out and help. Next, it was decided that if they were going to spend so much time there, they must make the place more comfortable. So arrangements were made to heat the lighthouse. The gray walls were painted a brilliant white. Some of the walls were paneled. Rugs were put on the floor to disguise the bare concrete. And a kitchen was installed with a handsome stove. And generally speaking, the lighthouse became a nice place to spend your time waiting for the alarm to sound. Everything about the lighthouse was made comfortable and nice. One night, a fierce storm blew in. As storms had blown in for years and many ships were tossed on the jagged rocks and the men at the lighthouse spent long hours picking sailors from the bitter cold waters and taking them to the lighthouse where they were fed and provided with dry clothes. This had happened many times over the years, but this time, after the storm subsided and the sailors had all left, there were some men who were angry. It seemed the storm had made them leave the comfort of their lighthouse and go out into a wet, dangerous sea and they got cold. And when they came back to the lighthouse, they realized that the sailors had soiled the carpet. The kitchen was a mess, not to mention the stove. After a brief meeting, it was first decided that sailors, when they were brought to the lighthouse, they should be taken to the basement not to the nicer areas of the, the, of the lighthouse. Sometime later, another storm blew in and about one half the men went out to the boats and again picked up sailors from the waters. This time, the ship which had broken a part of the rocks was from another nation. And the men who manned it spoke a different language and even worse, were of a different color. And after the storm, a few more men joined who refused to enter the sea. They decided that men like these didn't belong in the lighthouse. So they petitioned the government and they agreed. A small group disagreed, however, and went down the coast a short distance and started a new lighthouse. This small group decided that they should establish the biggest life-saving station on the Little Peninsula. And so they did. And every day they warned ships and sometimes attempted to save lives. 
fame of the new lighthouse grew and the lighthouse back up the bay, he eventually turned out its beacon. Some people say the beacon can still be seen today in you and I. And oh yes, they say the small group running the new lighthouse was once those rescued from the raging sea. You see, if we're not careful, we can be the lighthouse that closed our doors. But church, can I say, if our actions are to represent Jesus, and if we are truly to be the salt and the light that the Bible has said we should be, then the beacon that shines on our lighthouse should be open to anyone who's willing to come. You see, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to reach a lost and dying world, to be the salt and the light this world needs, the reason why this series is so important to me is because it all starts with your heart. Where's your heart today? Have you given it to God? If you haven't, do it today. Where's your mind? What are your words? What are your actions? Do they represent Christ? And I want to pray today. And I want to pray for opportunity. And I want to pray that God open our doors for, for, for anybody who wants to hear the gospel news of Jesus to come in and to be loved on, to be cared for, and to be given an opportunity to accept Christ. That's who we ought to be.